It's something for nothing, the Rush Fancast. Jerry and Steve with you. Jerry, we are going on a trip today. That's right. We are going on a trip today with our tour guide, Vicki Flyer Hudson. She's amazing. She's been on the podcast, what, three times before? I think so, yeah. And it's always great to speak to her. You can find us on Twitter. We are at Rush Fancast. Instagram, find us at The Rushcast. Email Jerry, therushcast at gmail.com. Lex does the bass intro and outro. He does a fantastic job. We've got a big story to get to. So why don't we get to your email quickly and get to Vicky? Sure. This one comes from Carl. What's up, Carl? He says, let me begin by saying that you two have done something no other Rush fan has been able to do. And what's that? He says, get me to listen to and actually like late 80s and 90s Rush. Wow, that's great. So congratulations and thank you for that. Like many fans my age, I'm in my late 50s, I was somewhat tuned out after the Signals album and didn't really fully reconnect until Clockwork Angels. I just found Alex's guitar sound got too thin and didn't like the direction the music was going. Listening to your podcast, though, and all of your album reviews made me realize that this is the era of Rush lyrics that I connect to the most. That is the thing with Rush and why we love them. It's the perfect union of words and music performed at their highest levels. Music with meaning. I now listen to Presto and Hold Your Fire at All on a regular basis. It's still not permanent waves rush, but it is still very good. That's amazing. I also want to say congratulations to both of you on producing an excellent podcast. Your banter and chemistry are excellent, and your content and interviews make for a very enjoyable listen. I also think it's very fitting that two lifelong friends are hosting a podcast about a band of lifelong friends. I've been a listener for less than a year now and have completed every episode, some more than once. I pop in my earbuds and put on your podcast while out walking my dog, and it makes for a wonderful 90-minute to two-hour escape every day where I can geek out over things like the Fountain of Lemneth or whether John Rutsey should have been included in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction. My Rush origin tale begins in January of 1980. I was 14 years old and just beginning to broaden my musical tastes beyond the top 40 hits of my youth. I began paying more attention to what my older brother was spinning on his turntable at the time. Pink Floyd, Genesis, Yes, Leonard Skinner, and Led Zeppelin. I loved the music, but something was still missing, although I couldn't figure out what it was. Then on that fateful January day, I switched from AM All Hits Radio over to FM for the very first time. I tuned into a local Toronto rock station just in time to hear the DJ say Rush and the spirit of radio. I wasn't prepared for what hit me. The killer intro, the music, the time changes, and the last piece of my music puzzle that finally clicked into place, the lyrics. I still remember standing in front of my radio listening to a song about listening to the radio and hearing for the first time, some like to believe in the freedom of music, but glittering prizes and endless compromises shatter the illusion of integrity. Anyways, thank you for your great podcast and for reigniting my rush flame. Like most fans, Neil's passing hit me hard, harder than I even realized. Such a huge loss, but your love of the band and your podcast has helped me fill a void. All the best to you and add me to your list of free lunches. And that was Carl from Toronto. Nice lunch in Toronto. We might be going to Toronto, Jer. I know. A night for Neil is coming up. We could make a pit stop and see Carl. We sure could. We could pick a real expensive restaurant. 
That's what we have to do. <laughs> no, I wouldn't do that to Carl. Carl, thanks so much for the compliments. And that email right there, Jer, I always say this, it makes doing the podcast worth it. Even if it was just Carl that we are entertaining, I'd be thrilled. And turning on to uh, some good overlooked rush for all of those years. Absolutely. Absolutely. It makes it all worth it. Thank you again, Carl, for listening and thanks for the email. So Jared, today we're going to be talking about rush pilgrimages. We're going to be going to Toronto and St. Catharines very soon, but one of our frequent guests, Vicki Flyer Hudson did it recently and she emailed us and said, Hey, you should do a podcast about rush pilgrimages. So of course we said, Vicki, why don't you come on and tell us about it? <laughs> right. Who better to do it than someone who just did it? Who better to do it? Vicki Flyer Hudson. Welcome back to the rush Fancast. Thanks for having me back. Well, thanks for the idea for the episode, and you're the perfect guest to talk about this. What sparked this idea? I think that there is a sense of being connected to places when you, you know, you read about something for years and then you go there. So for example, I went to Greece many, many years ago, and it was amazing to me to see some of the seats of Western civilization and, and just be connected to something that I had read about all my life. And I thought, why not do the same thing with Rush, that I have such a strong connection to these songs and the stories. Why not actually try to go to some of these places and see what gets sparked? And it was amazing. Now, we tried to go on this trip in 2020, right after Neil died. But then, of course, COVID came along. So it made it even sweeter to go this year. But you've been planning on doing something like this for a long time, right? Yeah. Yeah. I literally have had the dream of like Toronto. You know, this is kind of my magic place that I always wanted to go. And I'm not sure why it even took me this long because it's not that far from Atlanta where I live. And I've been many other places that are much farther, but it was almost like I wanted to save it to where it could truly be an event instead of just kind of like, oh, go to Toronto, poke around for a little bit. I wanted to really make it special. So maybe that's why I waited. So your husband, is he a Rush fan? He was on board with this, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he he started out liking Rush when we met, but over time, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you kind of can't help being married to me, you know? I mean, come on. He has really grown to love the band in part because of the music, but also the more he's learned about their integrity and just the people that they are and their story. And also how because he and I are pretty nerdy. And so, you know, we both experienced being outcasts and being different. And so I think there's also that connection with Rush being that band that you feel safe in the community of Rush fans with the songs themselves, that if you're different, it's okay. And so I think through all of that, he's really grown to love the band and certainly the kind of joy that it brings me you know, he, he was totally on board with the trip. He wanted to see me smile to that extent as well. <laughs> so you sent us an awesome slideshow of your trip. So we thought we would go through it step-by-step, step, starting with your first stop, which was the Toronto airport. YYZ. Yes. So was there anything special rush related about this other than the name of the airport? No, but I'll tell you the feeling of descending into the airport to the YYZ airport and seeing those lights. And especially because we were very afraid that the flight would be canceled because there have been so many cancellations and so many delays. The flight was delayed by about two and a half hours. And as the plane was sitting on the tarmac in Atlanta, I was like, 
you know, the pilot kept coming on and saying, oh, we have to sit here for a while longer. And again, this trip was planned for 2020 and I had waited my whole life. I'm I'm 50 years old now, so I'd waited my whole life to go. And when he said, we're going to sit a while longer and then it started raining and it was just like, am I never going to get there? <laughs> I really had that feeling. But finally, we lifted off the ground and uh, you can see the picture of kind of the sunset as we flew out of Atlanta and just seeing the lights of Toronto was I'll never forget that feeling. So what we did is we had a splitter in our headphones and we both listened to the song YYZ as we were descending into the airport. So it was a pretty special moment. That's what I was going to ask you, whether or not you listen to YYZ. You'd have to. Like more than once. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. And then there was that giant sign, you know, that you can see in the slideshow. And so it was special. The only challenge was that we found out our U.S. cell phones didn't work. Right. Uh, and when we arrived and they, the carrier told us that they would. So that was a little bit of a challenge. But otherwise, it was magical. So the first stop on your trip Vicky was the intersection of Danforth and Pape, which is of course a section of La Via Strangiato. Were you listening to La Via while you were at the intersection? We were. And what's really funny about it is <laughs> if you face the intersection, like from Pape and you're kind of looking at both sides of Danforth, what we noticed was it was actually like the two sides of the hemispheres in the brain, because on one side, it was kind of like there's, you know, a, like a root beer place. And there was like a, a, a pot shop and kind of all these things that would be associated with like Dionysus. And then on the other side, it was like banks and, you know, other financial institutions. And it looked more sort of stayed like Apollo and the reason side of the hemispheres. So it was hilarious. I mean, we were just cracking up. So we played La Villa Strangiato on the street and we didn't even use headphones. We just played it on my phone and <laughs> out, loud. <laughs> out loud and people were looking at us funny. And there was a yellow fire hydrant right there. And I said to Jay, now we just need a Dalmatian to walk by and the whole scene will be complete. And then after that, you went to the legislative building, of course, right? Yeah. So we, we took the transit system and uh, you probably saw from the slideshow that the subway cards that they use there are called Presto cards, which is <laughs> awesome. Uh, so we, we got a Presto card and we went over to the legislative building and you think you're prepared for that as a Rush fan, but I was not prepared for the reaction that I had. I mean, when we turned the corner and I saw the three arches, I mean, I, I legitimately felt like I might have some sort of cardiac episode <laughs> because, you know, I was 14 years old when I discovered Rush. And so I'd basically been seeing that building for, uh, you do the math, you know, how many decades in videos, on the album cover, in books, I've heard it talked about it was literally an image that just popped up in my life hundreds of times. And to be standing there, it was hard to process. And there were uh, some guards there because I guess there was going to be a protest maybe later in the day or something. So they had a peace officer there. And then they had a couple of tourist liaisons that, you know, if you wanted to see the building on the inside, you could take a little tour and all of that. And they were all just cracking up because I was like, oh my gosh, I'm freaking out. This is the moving pictures building. I'm legit having a heart attack. I mean, they were laughing, but I came up to one of the tourist liaisons and I said, you know, can I come up on the steps? Because there was like a barrier there and you, you couldn't go past that. And she said, no, 
you know, that there's going to be some activity later and the peace officer is here. And, you know, so you, you can't come up on the steps, but you're welcome to take as many pictures as you want. But then she said, although it can sometimes be up to the discretion of the peace officer. So I can ask him if you want. And I said, oh, please do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really ask him. I've learned that if you don't ask, you don't get things. People can always say no, but you know, you got to ask. So she went to the peace officer and he's smiling at me and I'm wearing, you know, a rush shirt and I'm holding my hands in prayer position and mouthing, please. And he said, come on in. And so we, we went up on the steps and Jay took a million pictures of me. And some of them were with my hands kind of holding an invisible picture frame so that I could Photoshop <laughs> some pictures in there later. But it was surreal. I mean, it was a, it was a fantastic experience. There were a couple other Rush fans there, but the staff was just amazing. They loved seeing our reaction to it. When I first saw these photos, I was like, did she bring framed <laughs> pictures all the way to Toronto? Like, what is what is the size of, of your luggage for these photos? Somebody said, uh, one of my friends who saw this said, I thought there was like a frame shop down the street that specialized <laughs> in like rush, you know, pictures that you could rent. That would be a great business. Yeah, it would. You, they'd get a lot of business. But no, I used Canva to, to put those in there. And I created, I also made kind of replicated the album cover with the, the exact font that I downloaded from, uh, I think it's called the rushfontproject.com. You can get all the Rush fonts and, you know, recreated the cover with myself in it. So it was a blast. So your next stop, Vicki, was of course Massey Hall. How was it standing outside that venue? It was awesome. I was trying to imagine myself back in time, you know, when the All the World's a Stage album was recorded. And Again, it feels surreal to be standing in these places where you have seen and heard all your Rush fan life. Unfortunately, we couldn't go inside. I thought that it was open to the public when there weren't shows, but I guess COVID changed that. So we, we couldn't go inside. But just standing there and, and kind of thinking about what it was like back then. And I have this thing about standing in the footsteps of fill in the blank. Uh, so it kind of happened the same thing in Greece when I was standing in the footsteps of, you know, Socrates, where he was kind of preaching his philosophy in the marketplace and all of that. It felt very similar, just standing in the footsteps of, you know, where these amazing shows took place. It really makes you feel more connected with the band and and, their, and the sense of history of it, too. It was amazing. And, and Massey Hall is just on the street, right? It's yeah. just on a street. I know that sounds yeah. kind of kind of obvious but you know there are a lot of concert venues that aren't just you know down the street from i don't know like an a and w root beer shop like exactly. that. it's just on the street <laughs> it was and in fact there was like massive construction going on right outside but it is in the core of downtown toronto so i mean you are absolutely in the heart of everything so it's very easy to get to with the public transit with your presto card. Yeah. And you can get to all kinds of cool restaurants and all that. But uh, I hope to be able to go in one day. So I think the trick for anyone who's thinking about doing this is buy tickets to a show there and just come a little bit early. And you can see the, the display because apparently there's like they have Alex's green jacket that he wore and you know, some other cool stuff. Uh, but you need tickets to a show. So little tip for me to you. Reason for you to go back, right? Exactly. Yes, I already planned to. Yeah. <laughs> so your next stop, Vicky, was something I wasn't aware of. Rush's star on the Canada Walk of Fame. Tell us about this one. 
Yeah. So this is on the corner of King and Simcoe. And again, just the heart of downtown Toronto. And it's very similar to the Hollywood Walk of Fame, if you've ever seen that. So I've, I've been to the Rush Star there as well. And I grew up in LA. So that was my kind of home ground. But yeah, it's real similar to that. There's all kinds of, you know, it's just a long several blocks with stars with different Canadian figures, everything from sports figures to obviously musicians, you know, dancers, all kinds of folks. So I learned a lot about Canadians through just walking down that Hall of Fame. There were like people that I recognized their name, but I didn't know they were from Canada. So that was kind of cool. So yeah, I just, you know, knelt there and took the picture. And uh, right across the street from that is this fantastic dog park. So like, if you if you like dogs, you can go to the Rush Star Fame and then literally attach to the street where it's located about 6.30 every night uh, during the summer. Imagine during the winter, it's not filled with people and dogs, but <laughs> you can go and just enjoy all these adorable pooches running around and they're not on leash. And so it's, it's just a beautiful area and there's all kinds of restaurants. So yeah, it's, it was a lot of fun. Any Dalmatians? in the mix? No, I was, again, I was hoping. I never saw one Dalmatian there. So I'm a poodle fanatic. I grew up with a standard poodle. And so I love poodles and poodles were prolific in Toronto. So I was just in heaven because I'm like, this is the land of rush and poodles. I don't think I want to go home. <laughs> so Vicki, the next stop on your trip, uh, Jerry and I have questions about. Now this is okay. the Toronto Islands. Uh, yeah. It looked awesome, but is there any relation to Rush on this visit? Yes. So there are multiple pictures that were done by either Hugh Syme or David Calcano from Fantoons that reflect the Toronto skyline from that viewpoint. So if you look through some of David Calcano's work, you'll see the Toronto skyline from that vantage point. There were uh, also some Hugh Syme designs, and I'm trying to think of where they were. They might have been in the Moving Pictures anniversary box set. Uh, I'm, I'm not exactly sure. My memory's failing me there. But yeah, that that was the vantage point. And we wanted to go there anyway because it's, a, it's just a beautiful... We took bikes, so we rented bikes, and we kind of rode all around Center Island. So there's three islands, uh, but Center Island, as you can imagine, is in the center, and so has a really <laughs> nice view of, <laughs> of the skyline. But yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah, it's a it's a beautiful skyline with the tower and everything. Yeah. It's gorgeous. The CN Tower is, of course, appears in so many Rush references. So again, lots of, you know, references to it. And it was so much more beautiful than I even thought it was going to be. And at night, it's lit up. So they do it in like different colors, but it's it doesn't look tacky. It's just amazing. Uh, we stayed in a hotel for a couple days in uh, downtown Toronto. My cousin lives in Toronto, so we stayed with her for most of the time. But uh, we stayed in downtown a couple nights, and we got to see the the full range of colors on the CN Tower. Unbelievable. Did you get to go to the top of the CN Tower? I've been up there. It's amazing. No, we never did. I'm not even sure why. I think maybe we were worried about the the crowds or something uh, COVID-wise. But yeah, we, we didn't go to the top, but it was just spectacular. Now, your next stop was going to Willowdale. You think there's a lot of Rush fans going to Willowdale to these places that you went to? I don't know, but it's like Rush heaven up there. <laughs> I mean, if you, if you go to a Rush, if you do a Rush pilgrimage of Toronto and you don't go to Willowdale, you are just missing out. I mean, 
you saw from the slideshow just some of the incredible, you know, so standing in front of the St. Theodore of Canterbury Anglican Church where Rush played their first paying gig. So even though Getty wasn't present at that very first one, he came the following week, as many Rush fans know. Uh, he got asked to fill in. I guess the other bass player was kicked out. And so they played there multiple times with John Rutsey. And it looks exactly the same as they showed in the Beyond the Light of Stage documentary. You know, they showed like Eddie and Alex kind of going there and descending down the stairs into the basement. And it just looks like it hasn't changed at all. And you see pictures of it from 1968 and it looks exactly the same. The door was actually open and you went yeah. into the basement. Yeah. So I didn't know. I mean, I was kind of, I tried to mentally prepare myself with all these places that you know, you might not be able to get inside because that was true of Massey Hall. And so I would always kind of just say, I'll be just happy to be there and take a picture with the sign and all that good stuff. But I'm that person who just sort of like goes up to people or opens the door or, you know, I, I just kind of believe in like, okay, let's, let's push this a little bit and see if we can get in or see if we can talk to somebody. So I go around the back and the door to the basement was open and I just couldn't even believe it. So there were only like two cars in the parking lot. So I made my way down the stairs and somebody shouted, they heard us coming and they were like, hello. And I said, oh, uh, we're, we're just here because this is a very special place for us. And I was wondering if we could go down and take a picture and kind of like the guard at the moving pictures building, the, the lady sort of hesitated at first, kind of like, who are these psychos, you know, but she said, oh, well, I'd have to ask the secretary. And, you know, and I said, oh, that would be great. But honestly, we just want to take a picture and then we'll leave. You know, this is just a very special place. And she was like, well, OK. She was very friendly, very sweet. So we go, we descend down into the basement. And once again, I had that same feeling of like, I can't believe I'm standing here. It was easy for me to imagine what it was like, you know, when Rush was playing to these kids at the coffin. So that was what they called the uh, basement coffee shop in the church. And uh, it was amazing. And now they have children's programs there. So it's kind of funny, you know, it's like they had all these like, I don't know, little play, you know, just toys and little play mats and stuff like that. So it was kind of an interesting contrast between what it was like then and what it's like now. But I felt this incredible vibe being down there. Like you could just feel the, the spirit of Rush if I may, <laughs> that's the name of my band. So. <laughs> well, and you have an advantage, Vicki. You don't look very threatening at all. So you can get in anywhere, really. Let's be honest. You know, that's true. Somebody pointed that out to me. <laughs> <laughs> so your next stop is Panzer's Deli. I would never even think to go there. And you did. And how cool is that? It was so much fun. So we just kind of followed the Beyond the Lighted Stage journey in, in Willowdale. So we went to Panzer's Deli and once again, I had that same feeling of just sort of imagining, you know, Rush there in 1968, sitting around the table, drinking Cokes and plotting their takeover of the world through music. And the staff was incredibly friendly. The owner, I guess the current owner wasn't there, but I guess his grandmother is the person who was in the documentary who was kind of going up to Getty and Alex and you know, joking about wanting Getty's autograph and Alex is looking like sad that he's being ignored, you know, and it's just, it's a very funny scene. 
but one of the servers said that, oh yeah, they, you know, they come in here and, and uh, their photographer comes in here. And so it was really neat. And the food was everything that it is cracked up to be. The turkey sandwich I ordered, I'm going to try not to exaggerate. So I'm going to say that it probably measured about five to six inches high. I mean, it was just huge. Uh, and then my husband had their famous pastrami. So that's like their sort of signature dish. But yeah, it was a lot of fun. And then we got it to go and we took it over to Lee Lifeson Park to eat lunch. Very cool. I've been to this place and it's a, a newer addition to the Rush Tour. Tell us about this. Yeah. So I guess it was designed uh, to, you know, just be a place where the community, local community can gather. And there's a little area where you could hold like a small concert and there's a huge painting of Getty and Alex there. And it was, you know, a quiet park. But again, it was like something I had just seen pictures of, especially during the opening, because I guess Getty and Alex showed up to, uh, you know, give speeches and all that at the opening. And so again, it was that same feeling of like, wow, I've been seeing this for years and now I'm actually here. It was strange. So there's like a big shell, like a giant shell. And there's like sort of a little amphitheater. And my husband stood inside of that shell and I I would stand kind of a little bit farther back and I could whisper. It was like one of those weird sound things where you can whisper and he would hear me and vice versa. So we played around with kind of, okay, where's that point where you could just say, hey, rush rules. Everybody would hear you. <laughs> and then you made it over to Fisherville Junior High School, right? Yeah. So that was another thing that appeared in Beyond the Lighted Stage. And it was really cool because uh, in the photo essay, you'll see in the picture of uh, me in front of the school, it looks very similar to a shot in the documentary where they're standing in front of that sign and talking about what it was like to go to school there. And, you know, it was like living the Beyond the Lion Stage documentary, just step by step, just living it. It was really neat. Vicki, the look of joy on your face in these photos, I don't think I've ever seen anyone happier in my life. <laughs> Other than my wedding day and maybe the day I actually met Rush, I'm not sure if I've ever been happier in the sense that I think with everything that's gone on the last two and a half years, you know, Neil's death and then COVID and just a variety of other challenges, particularly here in the U.S. where the political situation is so divisive and all of that to actually just be able to take a trip of joy where you're identifying with, you know, the band that you love and that you've loved since you were a teenager. I felt this extraordinary gratitude. Like I couldn't believe I was there. You know, it felt like a gift. Like every day we would do something new and it just felt like Christmas. I was just getting a gift or I'm Jewish. So in my case, Hanukkah, I celebrate both, but whatever. Uh, it felt like my birthday and Hanukkah and Christmas combined because the fact that some of these places were open and like the next place that I went, the A.Y. Jackson Secondary School, I couldn't believe the door was open there. So I just kept feeling like there were these little miracles everywhere we went. Yeah, it's interesting that you uh, uh, used wandering the face of the earth to plan this next stop, right? Yeah. So we were watching, I can't remember if it was Beyond the Lighted Stage or, or a different documentary, but this school, A.Y. Jackson Secondary School, was mentioned. And this is where Alex had attended some classes and Rush played there on December 21st of 1970. And that's, I found out the exact date by using Wandering the Face of the Earth. So thank you to the authors of that book. But I also found out through some blog or something that Alex had painted a mural there in the band room and it's still there and it has a signature and everything, Zavinovich. So you know, we decided to stop by and I thought, eh, 
it'll be a cool stop. But what I expected was just to take a picture of me at the outside of the building and go, cool, this is, you know, I was here. But of course, we tried the door and it was open. <laughs> and we went in and like nobody was around. I mean, literally, we were, it seemed like we were the only two people there. And so we're kind of poking around. And all of a sudden, I stumble into this giant room with a huge stage. I mean, it was like a giant stage with these huge like red velvet curtains. I mean, it was right out of the 70s. And then there were just rows and rows and rows of seats. And it, and it honestly looked like a theater. And it, this was at a, a school. I mean, it was bizarre. But I knew that is where they played because the stage looked like it was, it, it did not look new. It just looked like it was just straight out of the 70s. And so I decided to sneak up there and we're looking <laughs> around. You know, we felt like little kids. I mean, we're looking around and I go up on the stage and I have my husband take a video of me and I'm whispering and I'm like, I'm standing on the same stage that Rush played in 1970. And that feeling was really special because, you know, as many of your listeners probably know, but I'm the lead singer in the Rush tribute band, The Spirit of Rush. And being able to actually stand on a stage where Rush played and make that connection with myself as a musician amazing, like hard to describe the feeling. So that stop ended up being just so much better than I even thought. Now, we never found the mural, we found the band room, but it was locked. Yeah, the, the one door that was locked, right? The one door that was locked. But uh, yeah, that was just an unexpected, amazing feeling to stand on that stage. So you got in and out of there and nobody even knew you were there? Nobody knew we were there. Wow. And the whole time I kept expecting someone to come out and be like, what are you doing here? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> now, I probably would have just ex told them the truth and uh, they might have been okay with it. The the culture in, in uh, Canada in general, uh, there's a real friendliness. I mean, if you stop anyone on the street, I mean, the people we stop on the street to ask questions or ask advice, uh, absolutely everyone helped us and was so friendly. And uh, in St. Catharines, where, which we'll talk about where Neil grew up, uh, a woman actually offered us her truck to get somewhere because we didn't wow. have a car. <laughs> and this was a total stranger. <laughs> so they probably would have been okay with us being there. But uh, yeah, it was miraculous. So we got a couple more stops before we get to St. Catharines. You went to the place where Subdivisions was filmed. I never would have thought to go there, Jerry, would you? No, not at all. It was so cool. Now the doors were... <laughs> The doors weren't open there, but you know, if you watch the subdivisions video, you see the sign, the Le Moreau Co uh, Collegiate Institute. And I mean, just standing in front of that, I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. But then uh, the doors were not open, but we were able to peer in through the windows. And I mean, you could see those exact high school halls that were in the video. And in the video, they were yellow and now they're painted red, but it did not diminish the effect on me. I had wished that I could wander through the halls and kind of replay the video in real life, but it was amazing. And then about three minutes away, we actually went to pick up some food and there was, and it said it was like a three minute drive to this grocery store. And it was the one day we, we had a car. We rented a car for that one day so that we could be a couple of nerds kind of rolling around Willowdale. And we go over to the store, but it's part of a huge complex and there was like a huge mall called Bridlewood Mall. And I was like, I bet that this is where they were referring to the shopping malls and the high school halls because they were like three minutes from each other. So I went inside and I actually sang a bit of subdivisions in the mall. So my husband filmed me singing it. And again, people were looking at us funny, but I'm used to that. <laughs> 
And then you went to the newer edition on a Rush tour, Henderson Brewing. Oh my gosh. So if you go on a Rush pilgrimage to Toronto, run, don't walk to Henderson Brewing. <laughs> it is so much fun. I mean, we walked in and it was like a Rush paradise from the get-go. So you just walk in and you, the first thing you see is this giant tanker of beer with a huge Rush Henderson specific logo on it. But you look around and Rush is just everywhere. They've got shirts. There's the tap with the Rush beer. It's just everywhere. So I rarely drink. And when I do, I never drink beer. I'm not a big fan of beer. But of course, I had to try the Rush beer. So we order uh, some of that and we bring it out to the patio and we're sitting out there and one of the servers comes out and she said uh, she has these two huge like beer steins in her hand and they have the Rush Henderson logo with the star man and everything. And she said, so these were considered misprints because the logo is inside rather than outside of the star man or what. I mean, it was some tiny thing. It looked perfectly normal to us, but I guess it didn't meet the branding guidelines or something. And so she just gave them to us as a gift. Wow. It was so nice. And so we're sitting there on the patio and drinking Rush beer out of these huge Rush glasses. And I go inside and they have two Rush beers. So there's the Canadian Golden Ale. And then there's a specialty beer called Moving Pitchers. And they had some bottles of that in a in like a refrigerated case. And I went over to get a shirt. I thought I got to get a shirt from here because it's like huge, you know, Rush, Starman, the beer on it and everything. And one of the other servers just came up with two bottles of Moving Pitchers and they're like on the house. Wow. Because we told them that we'd come all the way from Atlanta. And I think that, you know, that meant a lot to them, but they were so nice to us. And the whole atmosphere was great. Highly recommended. And the beer is actually good. Oh yeah. I liked it. <laughs> I don't think Jared, that there is any rush fan who has done this much on a rush tour. Vicky even went to the zoo to see the capybaras. I didn't even know there were three capybaras named Getty, Alex and Neil. Yes. So I heard about that. There was a contest, I guess, with the city where uh, when the capybaras were either born there or brought there, I can't remember which, uh, they were babies and they said, the city needs to vote on names. And that was the winner. They were adorable. They're full grown now, but they're very cute. We only saw two, which we thought was kind of fitting. We're not sure if the third one was inside the barn resting. So that's a possibility because they did say on the sign, if you don't see us, we might be in the barn. But there were two. So I thought that was kind of interesting. So I called them Getty and Alex and they were adorable. Yeah, capybaras, Steve, I'm sure you know, are the world's largest rodent. Yes, I actually was aware of that, believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> so you're learning about Rush and Rodentia in one podcast. Right. <laughs> now, one place on the tour that I have been to, Vicki, is Lakeside Park in St. Catharines, which is a magical place. Tell us about your visit to that place. There are no words for how magical Lakeside Park is. We got there on a Tuesday afternoon and we figured, you know, Tuesday afternoon, it's going to be pretty sleepy at Lakeside Park. And I really didn't know that much about, I hadn't looked at photos and I kind of did that on purpose. I wanted to be surprised and I wanted to just see it in real time. So we had dinner and we were kind of overlooking the water and I could see the sign, but I told Jay, I want it to be an event that we go and cross the sign. Like, I don't want to just stumble on it. I want it to be an event that we... Mark. And he's like, absolutely. So we had dinner and then we kind of like get ourselves mentally ready and we go to the sign and we cross the sign and I took a picture. And once we crossed the sign, it was as if we honestly crossed into a wormhole of like rush magic because coincidentally they were holding like a festival there on a Tuesday 
evening and we we start walking into the park and it's like what are all these food trucks and i said to jay hey look midway hawkers (laughs) (laughs) there was a popcorn vendor so we went over to him and i'm like oh look and i took a picture with him and i'm like yeah midway hawkers and uh, we we go over and we kind of see that like something is happening. And as we make our way into the park, more and more people are starting to show up. And under this like little shelter, I see that a band is setting up. I thought, oh, great, a band. We can sit and listen to the band this evening. And, and I noticed that the drummer was setting up his drums and he was wearing a moving picture shirt. And I was like, oh, perfect. I am just going to go right up there and talk to him. So I approached the guy and he sees my shirt. I was wearing a Lifeson shirt from Danforth and Pape, the clothing company. And we we like caught each other's eye and he's like, oh, it's a great night already. And I said, Rush fans, you know, and I come over and I, I introduce myself and I said, oh, you're a Rush fan too. He says, oh, yeah. And he, he points to the, the uh, it was the Moving Pictures album cover and he points to this guy who's moving one of the pictures. He's like, yeah, that's me. And we laughed, you know, it did look like him, but I was like, wow, oh, that's funny joking around. I said, what's your band? And he said, oh, we're going to be playing some covers, you know, in about 20 minutes. I'm like, cool. And then the bass player comes over and whispers to me, you know, that's really him. And I was like, what? He said, no, that's the guy on the Moving Pictures album cover. I'm like, you got to be kidding. So I come back to the guy, the drummer, and I said, is that really you? And he was like, yeah. He was very modest about it. And I was like, I can't believe this. What are the odds that on a Tuesday, I would come to Lakeside Park from Atlanta and run into the guy on the Moving Pictures album cover? So this is Mike Dixon, and he is the guy who is on the right side carrying the Joan of Arc picture. And on the other side is his friend Bobby King, who, of course, is the star man. And he's the one who got him the job, apparently, moving the pictures. So it was just incredible. And so the band uh, was setting up and I started talking to the lead singer and like it turned out that he had grown up with Neil Peart and he had actually become a a dentist for some of the road crew for Rush. I hope he's a real dentist, right? He just doesn't, he wasn't performing dentistry on the side. (laughs) He was a real dentist and, and it seemed like everyone I talked to grew up either jamming with Neil or connected to him in some way. And so just to be able to learn about like his, you know, so Dave, the lead singer, said to me, you can tell everyone back home what nice guys they all are. So I want to communicate that message to the world uh, that, you know, they are as nice as they seem. And that's certainly been my experience. But it was just incredible. And we continued living the song because we then went and rode the carousel. And the carousel still costs five cents per ride. And there were two of us, me and my husband. So it was a 10 cent wonder. (laughs) (laughs) Who could ask for more? And there were willows in the breeze. I mean, the willows are just beautiful and there was a breeze and it was just amazing. I mean, the festival was incredible. The band was really fun. They gave us a ton of shout outs. Oh, our friends all the way from Atlanta. You know, it was, it was a blast. Did you have a smoke by the lighthouse? So we went to the lighthouse and now neither of us smoke. However, we took our moving pitchers, rush beer. We drank by the lighthouse. And just as we popped open the top of the beer, a couple right next to us lit up cigarettes. So they <laughs> did a uh, smoking on the pier by proxy. <laughs> And then you capped off your visit with a trip to the place where Neil had his first performance, right? Yeah. So um, this is a church that's not far from Lakeside Park. It's just a couple blocks from there. And actually, Neil's boyhood home is just around the corner from that. And we we did stop by there. Uh, The woman who lives there, I was actually told that she had some cool stories or whatever. But I found out later that I think she's like a friend of the family or something. So we didn't want to bother her (laughs) or intrude on her privacy. 
supremacy. So, but yeah, we went to this church where Neil did his very first drum performance. And then we capped off our stay there with one last ride on the carousel. And what we did is when Spirit of Rush played, we played two tribute shows to Neil in 2020. And one person, one fan gave us a five Canadian dollar bill as a tip. And so we took that out of the tip jar and I said, we're going to save this until we can actually do this rush trip. So we took that Canadian $5 bill with us and we were trying to decide, you know, what should we use it on when we're here? But there was a donation box to preserve and maintain the Lakeside Park Carousel. So we actually put that $5 bill in that donation box and took a picture and we put it on our Facebook page and that fan saw it and they messaged us and said, that was me. (laughs) So that was really cool to see that come back around. In the serendipity of everything that happens to you, Vicki, it's crazy to me. Jerry, am I nuts? Well, you might be, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole other subject, Steve. Yeah, totally. (laughs) No, I mean, some of my friends, like when I posted this, and then of course I recently saw Alex Lifeson in Nashville and some weird things happened there too. My friends are like, your rush karma just literally seems to be unending because it is. I don't know what it is. I feel very, very fortunate. And so grateful. So before we wrap this up, when you did get back home, you decided to go with your husband to Nashville for the Gibson event that Alex was appearing at. Tell us quickly about that. Yeah. So I just happened to randomly see that on, I think it was Rush as a Band blog. So thank you to those folks. They just did a very quick blurb about it. And Jay and I kind of looked at each other and we were very tired because it was a long trip. And, you know, I came back and went right back to work and we were kind of exhausted. And the event was the next day, but we looked at each other and I'm like, I got it. We got to go. <laughs> so we threw clothes in a suitcase. We drove the four hours to Nashville and it was unbelievable because we were waiting in line. Well, there was really a line where we were. It was around the other side, but we were waiting and we were waiting for about two hours for the doors to open. And all of a sudden, Nick Raskelin, it's the producer of Snakes and Arrows and Clockwork Angels, just walks in the door. And I look at him and he looks at me and I'm like, oh my God. I said, is your name Nick? He said, yes. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's bougie. <laughs> so I, yeah, got to talk to him. That was amazing. And I had written a letter to Alex before I left the house for Nashville explaining what happened with the tour book, which is something I talked about when I was a guest last time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that he sent to me that didn't arrive until seven years later. And it arrived on my doorstep the day Neil died. And I wrote him a letter explaining all about that and thanking him for the gift. And I said to myself, all I want is the chance to put that letter in his hands because I knew it wouldn't be an autograph or meet and greet type of event. It was just going to be him speaking. Well, a Gibson staffer saw me waiting there for two and a half hours and he let me be in the very front row Wow! for the event. And so at the very end, after Alex was like taking a picture with some of the charity, um, charitable organization folks, I saw that moment and I made eye contact with him and I handed him the letter and he took it with a smile. Wow. So hopefully he's read it by now. I'm sure he has. I'm sure he has. Unreal. (laughs) This is the craziest week of your life, right? It really has been. It's been an amazing journey, but just to be able to share it. So I created this photo essay and I shared it on several of the Facebook Rush fan pages and the joy that it brought other people. I was like, this is why I did this in a way, you know, to be able to bring joy to others. 
And some guys were even saying they were crying. I mean, it was really moving to see their responses. And listening to you talk about it is just as moving, I can tell you. I mean, what Thank an amazing you. story. Is there anything else Rush-related on Earth that you haven't seen that you want to see? Gosh, uh, good question. Not that I know of. <laughs> Obviously, I would have loved to have seen the studio, but of course, it's mm -hmm. no more. Uh, so, no, I mean, I feel incredibly fortunate. I am trying to get tickets to the Taylor Hawkins show in Los Angeles to be able to see Getty and Alex together again, because I sure miss those guys playing together. I haven't had any luck so far, but I'm, I'm just keeping my fingers crossed that I can, I can get out there. But uh, yeah, I'm happy and grateful. I've got one. What? Ty Shan. Oh my gosh, of course. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> of course. And I've been to China and I didn't go to Tai Shan. I can't believe that. Well, now you I'll have to just, go back to China. I have, have to go, go back. back. <laughs> yeah. And there's a um there's a town in Connecticut called Middletown and I drove through that on my way back from Canada. So we flew into Connecticut to see my friend and we drove right through Middletown. So I had some Middletown dreams to wow. have it off. <laughs> Jerry and I grew up in Middletown, New Jersey. So how about that? What? Did you have Middletown dreams then? We had them all the time. And nightmares usually, but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, so was life not unpleasant in your little neighborhood or, or it was unpleasant? <laughs> it had its moments. <laughs> Vicki, thanks so much for joining us today and sharing your story. It was incredible to listen to and it has inspired me to want to go and check out all that stuff. What about you, Jer? Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to try to do something like that. Hopefully soon. It is so worth it. And thank you guys so much for, for letting me share this incredible journey. So, Jar, how amazing was that trip that Vicky took? Yeah, she hit all of the Rush hotspots, right? She hit Rush hotspots that I forgot were Rush hotspots. <laughs> That's right. I know. I mean, if we did this, I would have skipped like five of those just because I didn't think of them. Yeah, I know. I know. It's true. And I'm not kidding. The look on her face on all these photos, we're going to post these on Instagram and on Twitter. I have not seen anyone with that much joy in their face as Vicky in those photos. I know she really, like she said, she really likes the feeling of standing in the footsteps of people she admires. So it's incredible to see her so happy. Can you imagine when she gets to the top of Taishan, the look on her face? <laughs> That's right. It's going to be crazy. It is. So uh, what I'd like to do is ask our listeners to email us their Rush pilgrimage stories. I think that'd be interesting to hear where our listeners have been, if they've been places that Vicki didn't go and we didn't go, and tell us about it. Yeah, that's a great idea, Steve. Look at you with the good ideas. Great idea. You can email us at therushcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter. Tweet us there at RushFanCast. Instagram, we're at therushcast. Lex did the bass intro and outro. And Jar, I hope you got a great quote to wrap up this great episode. I do, and it's from Making Memories. Of course it is. <laughs> did you think I was going to do that? No. Okay. You know we're having good days, and we hope they're going to last. Our future still looks brighter than our past. We feel no need to worry, no reason to be sad. Our memories remind us, maybe road life's not so bad. Great choice, Jer. Thanks. All right. See you later.